0: it's time to set aside the superficial. It's time to go deeper. It's time to engage in truth. Here's John Bornstein. Well, everybody, welcome back to Engage in Truth. This is John Bornstein. I'm the senior pastor of Calvary Fellowship Fountain Valley right here in Colorado Springs, and I'm thrilled that you are tuning in today. We are going to take a break today, maybe even next week, from our study of 1 Corinthians. Rather, I want to encourage you. I think that's probably what we need more than ever today is some encouragement. Uh, I want to talk about patience through affliction. So let me just start off reading a few verses to you. Romans chapter 12, verse 12. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. In Romans 8, 28, we love this particular scripture. It reads, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love Him, who have been called according to His purpose. In verses 37 to 39 of Romans 8, we read, But in all these things we overwhelmingly conquer through Him who loved us. For I'm convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God. Which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And we are conquerors through our struggles, not just when we are conquering over them. In fact, He often puts us in situations that would defeat most people, so we're victorious through Him. If you go to the Old Testament, even, we see in Joshua chapter 11, verse 6, when the Israelites were conquering the promised land, God purposely told them to strike the horses and the chariots. So it would be a harder situation, if you would. It would be more difficult for them to take glory upon themselves, to to magnify themselves as though because of their armaments, because of their sophisticated tactics and, and strategies, that somehow they had overcome adversity by their own means. Rather, God wanted them... To see that he was their provider. He was able. He was still on his throne and he was going to deliver the people. We read in Joshua 11:6, the Lord said to Joshua, Do not be afraid of them, because of this time tomorrow I will hand all of them slain over to Israel. You are to hamstring their horses and burn their chariots. Again, it wasn't to take any glory in these particular tools for war. It was always going to be God who was going to deliver them. And we see that even today. That's why I want to encourage you with this message today. So I'm not wanting to, you know, I don't know, take away or belittle the situation that we're all going through right now. I think that all of us have a bit of angst All of us are going through some struggle, perhaps emotionally, maybe even feel a little discouraged and dismayed. And so my intent here today is to put our eyes back on Jesus Christ, the author and the perfecter of our faith. And and in this, we are going to be more than conquerors through Christ Jesus, our Lord. It's, It's a conquering where God has given victory, nothing that we are going to do in and of our own strength, is going to absolve the challenges that are before us. Now, of course, he's given us a sound mind. He gives us discernment. He gives us wisdom. And he surrounds us with people who are going to navigate this landscape the best that they can. But ultimately, it's going to be the wisdom of Almighty God. It's going to be his direct intervention in all of the affairs of men and and certainly the journey that we're on. And the, the challenges that we encounter, what we have to realize is that God is in every single detail. In Colossians, it says that he holds everything together. Every cell of our body is held together by him. I, Isaiah 46.10 tells us that he saw the end from the beginning. And look, I, I feel sorry for Christians, honestly, who sit on the sidelines their whole lives. They're they're, they're bored, perhaps, when they're going to, I don't know, maybe when they talk with other Christians, I would even think even around the campfires of heaven, where for a billion years, we're going to be talking about our journey that God has put each and every one of us on. It wasn't always about the destination. It was about the journey. God is going to ensure that we get to our destination. God is the one who truly is the author and the perfecter of our faith. Anything good that comes out of us is to His glory, from Him, for Him. And so we have to have this boldness, this courage that comes out of us that God has told Joshua to do faithfully when going into the promised land. I don't even think that's self-manufactured. I really believe that's a a strength of the Holy Spirit to take confidence in He who is able, He who delivers. So we are in for a journey, and we should expect that this journey is going to be filled with some trial and tribulation. It's, It's one that's going to be filled with some adversity, and we're not to fear, and we're not to even fear defeat but rather we are more than conquerors through him who is able. Uh, Let me read to you this great quote from Theodore Roosevelt. Uh, It's, uh, I think, appropriate for such a time as this. It says, It is not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles, or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs and comes short again and again because there is not effort without error and shortcomings, but who does actually strive to do the deed, who knows the great enthusiasm, the great devotion, who spends himself in a worthy cause, who at the best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement, and who at the worst, if he fails, at least he fails while daring greatly so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who know neither victory nor defeat. You know, we've also read the great quote, Courage doesn't always roar. Sometimes courage is a quiet voice at the end of the day saying, I will try again tomorrow. You know, After a, a high point, you must assume that Satan will attack you or the Lord will allow you to be tested, I should say. Both, I should say. This is the only way that you grow in your faith. I mean, God uses tough circumstances of life to build the muscles of your faith and to keep you from trusting something other than his holy word. So we also find hope that God loves to restore people to himself. And when our faith fails, God does not. So we need to expect that our faith is going to be tested. And in times of testing, the important question is not, how can I get out of this? But what can I get out of this? And we see James chapter 1, where he tells us, consider it pure joy when you are tested. It has been well said that the will of God will never lead you where the grace of God cannot keep you. And let's read 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 12 to 16. Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you. As though something strange were happening to you, but rejoice inasmuch as you participate in the sufferings of Christ, so that you may be overjoyed when His glory is revealed. If you're insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed, for the spirit of the glory and of God rests upon you. If you suffer, it should be not as a murderer or a thief or any kind of criminal or even as a meddler. However, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear that name. It is a simple fact that no one is immune from pain and suffering in this life. Not all Christians suffer the same degree as others do, but all experience pain and hardship to some extent, and certainly around us right now there are people who are struggling, and as believers you may feel like you're struggling more than somebody else, like it's it's extra compounded upon you. And that's why I want to give you this message today, to encourage you, you may not actually be even suffering for taking a bold stand for Jesus Christ, but as a believer, you are in stark contrast to this world. You are salt and light into this world, and and so we should expect adversity. Uh, Even for the one whom we are proclaiming, for his great namesake, we will suffer for our allegiance alone. But I would encourage you that if you're going to suffer, at least be bold for Jesus Christ in so doing. You know, a wise man once observed that life is 10% what happens to you and 90% how you respond to it. And I believe that sentiment is still very true today. We should note that our attitude directly determines our altitude, our attitude directly determines. Our altitude, so 1 Peter was written to uh, the early first century Christians who were beginning to endure great trials because of their faith, and indeed, the whole book deals either directly or indirectly with this single theme and the apostle has already mentioned suffering near the opening of his letter. Let me read that to you again, first Peter chapter one verses six to seven. In all this, you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that you can prove the genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in the praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. So he exhorted his readers to be alert and to to watch as they pray. He also encouraged them to love one another without complaining in verse 9 and to continue in their spiritual growth as we'll read in verses 10 to 11. So Peter is challenging us to keep three important facts in mind as they pertain to sanctified suffering, if you will. That, that first of all, he's reminding them that suffering is guaranteed by God. And you're thinking, I'm not encouraged in that statement. Well, it's true. Suffering is guaranteed by God. Thousands of Christians were brutally tortured, murdered and burned at the stake as a result of their faithfulness to God and as a result uh, Peter's reference to fire here in this verse this would have a, a particular poignant response out of the folks there. They would have been understood clearly uh, what he meant by this fire. I mean fire is an important symbol in Scripture particularly in the Old Testament. It, it consumed the sacrifices that were presented to God in Leviticus chapter 3 verse 10 and First Corinthian or excuse me first Kings chapter 18 and it spoke to of, of God's nearness to the people. Right I mean we see that uh, throughout the Old Testament uh, especially in the wanderings of the Hebrew people the manifestation there of the almost the shekinah glory of God this divine fire by night in Exodus chapter 13 verse 21 and and it reminds us of the holiness and awesome purity of God as well that God judged the wicked cities even in Sodom and Gomorrah by raining fire down upon them in Genesis 19:24 so it was a powerful purifying agent this thing of fire and it is also used to test and strengthen materials that are placed in it. So fire consumes almost anything. It's quite destructive, but in short, it's a tremendous source of power. So in this verse, Peter urges his hearers to not be surprised when intense trials and suffering come their way. Even from the Greek word that's translated strange, you could interpret that as shocked or even astonished. So our Lord reminds us that we will be persecuted because he was as well. And so we're in good company. That path has been beaten down ahead of us. We're going down the same path with our Lord. If he struggled also, we will do likewise, according to John fifteen twenty. So indeed, we live godly lives. And as we do so, we should expect adversity. Even though it may look like everybody's going through adversity, sometimes it may feel like yours is extra uh, compounded, perhaps, extra strong, and, and while somebody else seems to be just you know skating by, right? And we can read this from 2 Timothy 3.12, that we are not to grow discouraged in that. I mean, fire tries gold, but misery can try brave men. So he also tells us that suffering is graced by glory. Suffering is graced by glory, verses 13 to 14. So pain is profitable. The apostle Paul said it he wanted us to know the fellowship of his suffering in Philippians 3:10. Too many Christians seem to base their responses to pain and suffering solely upon emotions and feelings in the midst of intense pain. No one Feels like rejoicing in that. I mean, we we'll me just be honest. The the response Peter calls for is based upon a this idea that it's not just by choice alone. It's, it's it's you know we we have to have knowledge of God's word to stand upon a solid rock because we can't be led by personal feelings. I mean, we can choose to give in to those feelings. We can choose not to give into those feelings. But ultimately, we need a firm, solid rock upon which we stand. The knowledge of truth must. Uh, prevail within our minds. James gives us a some great insight into this aspect of suffering when he says, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations in James 1-2. The Greek word rendered count is a verse that means consider or reckon. You see, the early church faced fierce persecution, but they responded with rejoicing because they had been considered worthy to suffer for the cause of Christ. You go to Acts chapter 5, verse 41 on that. They felt it was almost a blessing to say, We also have been chosen, allowed by God to go through persecution. Glory be to God. And we should remember that God never sends us anywhere where we go through life where we're not with Him. I mean, we can't be in such a pit so deep that He's not there. We can't be in an ocean so wide and so vast that He's not there. God is with us, and the and the psalmist said that as well. How, I can't go high enough to not be with you, and I can't go deep enough to not be with you. Even to death itself, you're still there. So he was with three Hebrew children. This is Almighty God. He was with three Hebrew children as they endured a literal fiery furnace in Daniel chapter 3, and he was present with Paul as he faced the hostility of unsympathetic rulers in 2 Timothy chapter 5. So we need to remember that God is with us. Uh, Suffering for Jesus Christ is also graced because the spirit of the glory of God rests upon us. I mean, when Stephen was falsely accused and was taken before the council just before he was stoned, the people saw the glory of God, and it was resting upon him. As they saw his face, it was likened to that of an angel. From Acts chapter 6, verse 15, Polycarp was able to face a martyr's death at the age of 86 because of God's glory. When the aged man was given the last chance to renounce his faith, he replied, For 86 years I have served him, and he never did me any injury. How can I blaspheme my king and my savior? The glory of God rested upon him and helped him through his literal fiery trial. So scholars believe that this is also a reference to the Shekinah glory of God. And thirdly, we have this expansion of ministry that tends to come through suffering. Right now is the most opportune time for people to see the light, the hope that's in us. That suffering for Jesus Christ is also graced by glory because God expands our ministry through it. And I'm convinced that my spiritual growth was accelerated through enduring pain and hardship for the cause of Christ. This is one reason why Peter said earlier that suffering was more precious than gold, is is to those who suffer. I I mean, 1 Peter 1, 7, I I don't know how you get any clearer than that, that we're to embrace this. This is almost a gift from God to purge the impurities from us as a refiner's fire does. So this is also to strengthen our faith. Suffering because of our testimony for Jesus Christ leads to God's glory because it causes us to trust in Him even more. We never really know how strong our faith is until it's tested. You know, Dr. Adrian Rogers, the late Dr. Rogers, has said that a faith not worth testing is a faith that is not worth trusting. You know, C.S. Lewis once remarked that God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks to us in our conscience, but shouts in our pain. It is a megaphone to rouse a deaf world. So as we commit to the guarding of our souls and, and alignment to his will, we are expressing our explicit trust in His loving care. And that needs to be more so now than perhaps ever before. And this is where everything we learned as you've studied God's Word needs to be put to practice right now. Not to grow weary in doing good. Not to give up on the faith that has held you steadfastly through all that you've been through in this life. Now is the time where we dig in deep and we prepare and we weather the storm and we push in and we trust God wholly, fully. A fifth reason through all of this is that sin is revealed. It's, it, the suffering results in glory because it causes us here to see sin for what it really is, that it must be purged, that the refiner's fire must be active. It, it must not only pull out these impurities, but so that we can see them, identify them, and purge them out of our lives— uh, it, it, this it, this is just something that is absolutely part of the process is God loves us too much to allow us to remain where we are. It, perhaps we've allowed sin to just fester within us. We're just so complacent with it and we've not addressed it. And so therefore we go through these painful tests, a, a, a challenging, a testing even of our faith so that we can be refined and purified and made holy unto his likeness. This is part of that hungering and thirsting after righteousness and no longer dabbling in the ways of the world and being content in so doing. So a sixth reason is that we need to put our eyes on the prize. Our, our suffering is, is filled by God's glory, and it's because it causes us to yearn and long for our heavenly home, ultimately. I mean, according to scripture, we're already seated with him in heavenly places in a spiritual sense right now, from Ephesians chapter 2, verse 6. But one day we will be with him physically, never to be separated from him, as we see in John 14, 1 to 3. You know, I'm I'm often drawn to uh, Revelation, and you see in Revelation chapter 7, you see a multitude gathered before his throne praising him. And what drives our minds crazy is that's almost written like it's in the past tense, and it's because God is atemporal as if this thing has already occurred, but we just haven't caught up to it yet, all right? So we need to put our eyes on the prize that Jesus Christ is coming, and all of these aches and pains in our world are only going to accelerate, and we, the church, must be prepared like never before. We, we have got to be get our grit and our fortitude and our perseverance, not in our own strength, but in Jesus Christ, our Lord. And he will prepare us and protect, even as we read in Psalm 91. He will protect his people, he will protect his church. It doesn't mean we're not going to, we're somehow impervious to struggle and difficulty, though. And, and what happens through all of this struggle that, that we find what we're made out of. We find that our, our faith is truly being tested and strengthened through all of this. God knows exactly what he's doing. And we think about it finally in this is a thing about it from a war stories perspective. Uh, our suffering is an opportunity to experience God's glory because it it follows the pattern set for us by our Lord Jesus Christ. His attitude and suffering is is the one that we'd all do well to imitate, especially as we look at it more closely. Here, here we read in first Peter chapter two verses twenty to twenty five But how is it to your credit if you receive a beating for doing wrong and endure it? But if you suffer for doing good and you endure it, this is commendable before God. To this you were called, because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his... This is commendable before God. Let's continue on. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 19-20, for it is commendable... If someone bears up under the pain of unjust suffering because they are conscious of God, but how is it to your credit if you receive a beating for doing wrong and endure it? But if you suffer for doing good and you endure, it, this is commendable before God. You see, Peter's point here is that no Christian should ever suffer because he or she has failed to exhibit the compassion and love of Jesus Christ to others. A a militant Christian brings difficulty on themselves, quite, quite honestly there. So it's time to be bold and wise, but that's different than being arrogant and foolish. That's where prayer comes in. And In verse 16 of our text, Peter summarizes his argument for suffering in a godly manner. And he says, those who suffer because they are sincerely following Christ are called upon to rejoice and not be ashamed in this. He says, for however, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear that name. So the word rendered ashamed refers to a feeling or an attitude that would prevent a person from doing a certain thing. And and, and Peter is is remembering the time when he's perhaps, I always assume here, maybe he's remembering the time when he was ashamed of our Lord. He was afraid to be identified with him in Matthew chapter 26, 69 to 76. So he had learned that lesson the hard way. And and I believe that his heart here is that we don't do that same thing. God's Glory rests upon us and we can boldly affor- affirm our our Lord Jesus with a rejoicing heart even in the midst of pain and suffering. As this world seems to be spiraling out of control around us, this is the time when God should be hearing our prayer our praises our our worship our prayers boldly faithfully not not succumbing to the fear mongering in our culture is you're going to hear that. I mean, you can't uh, watch television or lo- look at your social media uh, without feeling a sense of dismay. And that's for, not for the believer. The believer needs to put their eyes on Jesus Christ, uh, right? We're to take hope and confidence in Him. Let me just close today's broadcast with this. You know, the Apostle Paul has reminded us of three vitally important truths about suffering for Jesus Christ. It's number one, it's guaranteed by God. It's going to be graced by His glory, and it should be guided by godliness. You see, the world we live in sees suffering as something to be avoided at all costs. But for Christians, we have a totally different perspective. And you think, well, maybe that's easy for you and not for me. But we have to get back to the basics here. For for us, suffering is, a, is precious because it produces godly character and an awareness of the nearness of God. And we can rejoice inwardly even when we may suffer outwardly, because we have an assurance that God has the overriding beneficial purpose for it all, as we just read in Romans chapter 8. And we should make sure that our faith is placed in Jesus Christ in order to calm the uh, it, it, all the storms in our life, and, and ultimately to claim these promises that Peter has outlined for us today in this wonderful passage. So we need to call upon God today, that He will give us the gift of eternal life from John three sixteen, and, and to put all of our faith and hope in Him to lay our burdens at the cross. We go back to Matthew chapter 6, and we'll see that we are not to be anxious for anything, that God will take care of our needs. He will take care of our clothing. He will take care of our food. He will take care of all these needs. He says, don't worry about these things, that God is with you. And so I want you to be encouraged, not discouraged. Turn off all of that. Philippians tells us clearly that, that we are not to take our eyes off of him, that, that we are to focus on that which is good, which is praiseworthy. And I want you to, to give praise perhaps like you've never done before. And, and let that light shine before others. Let your neighbors see it. Let that confidence that you have in Jesus Christ so exude from you that others will see that light. See what you have that perhaps they're not finding anywhere else and they will turn to God our Father through Jesus Christ our Lord. This is an opportunity perhaps like you have may never experienced before. Maybe, uh, I don't know, the church has certainly been there throughout the generations. But in our lifetime, many of us may have not faced uh, circumstances like this before. So now is the time where we put our eyes back on Jesus Christ and show others how to do it likewise. God bless you, my friends. If you would love to Learn more if you're interested at all. Learning about our ministry at Calvary Fellowship Fountain Valley, please go to CalvaryFountain.com. Again, CalvaryFountain.com services are 8 a.m. and at 10 a.m. Right now, our doors are still open, but uh, we're not—you know—we're not going you know, to turn anybody away. But you can watch online. We've got plenty of uh, messages there online through live stream, Roku, Apple TV. We even broadcast to Facebook and on our website. So there's a number of ways you can can watch and learn, but we want you to go deeper in God's Word. That's our, our passion, our heart is to equip the saints for the work of ministry, to know the love of Jesus Christ our Lord. And, uh, and so we want to encourage you. If you, if you're just needing prayer right now, please reach out to us at calvaryfountain.com. We're right there for you, with you. God bless you, my friends. Take care.